This is the Mark D Show, hosted by a guy who played a decent game of Big Brother. Now here he is, Mark of BBCan7. Greetings and salutations. It's Mark D with another episode of the Mark D Show, where we talk about Big Brother. Before we start this episode, I hope that you and your family are safe in these very uncertain times. You're following all the necessary protocols as laid out by the government. Now on this episode, we will chat about episode 11 of BB Can 8, otherwise known as the finale episode of the season. It aired on April 1st, and we have so much to talk about. This season was meant to be a supersized season of three extra weeks, but COVID-19 forced production to make the very difficult decision of ending the season early. On the last episode of my podcast, we were joined by the three other members of my alliance on my season, the Pretty Boys, Dane, Adam, Anthony, and of course, yours truly. Here's what we thought about some of the gameplay in the last week of the Big Brother Canada house. You're uh, jumping headfirst into a deep blue sea. I was getting a little scared. I thought he was going to break the record. It's almost like when you're playing FIFA and you got your player on turbo boost the entire time and they get tired out very quickly. There will only be one 96 Bulls team and make it your own game. To hear the rest of that episode, go to my social media, The Mark D Show on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also search The Mark D Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to listen to all the other episodes. On this episode, we are joined with one of my favorite players and an icon in the Big Brother Canada community, a man who played the first season of Big Brother Canada, a man who plans all the after parties year after year after year for Big Brother players, a man who has hosted the Big Brother Sideshow for two years after he left the house. He needs no introduction, but we gave him one anyway. He likes to say it how it is. What is up? Peter Brown. Hello, sir. I appreciate you doing this, man, because I'm thinking to myself, how do I wrap this up with one final episode? And I just figured it made most sense. I appreciate you taking the time. I really do, man. No worries, buddy. Anytime. Happy to help. So I figured we'd jump straight into things. BB Can 8 comes to a very sad close with 11 episodes in total. This should have been, I guess, episode 13. But unfortunately, that was not meant to be. It was announced in the last episode that coronavirus had caused production to shut down. And unfortunately, the uh, game would have to end on day 25. The last episode, we got to see some actual game. And this episode was more of like a lifestyle, casual reality TV episode. So we're going to get into this episode. And I want to get your thoughts on this, especially coming from you, Peter, because you're a very production-based kind of guy. And you can understand the things that your average viewer might not see. So I'm going to start off with a few of my thoughts. And then I'm going to get your opinion as we go through each thought. So the first thought I had is, well, we see Erin Brock. She is the main producer for Big Brother Canada. She gets over the loudspeaker, I should say, and announces that it's really, really unfortunate. And they didn't want to have to do this. And it's a difficult decision. But they have no other way but to shut down the season due to Ontario shutting down all non-essential businesses. First of all, I think it's funny that Aaron Brock has got more airtime than some of the actual cast this season. Yeah, I love hearing Aaron on the show. I wish, in fact, that one thing that Big Brother Canada would adopt from our international brethren is actually have Big Brother be a bigger part of the show. Like in Big Brother UK or Australia, you will hear Big Brother interact with the house guests 
basically in every episode. And it's something that you do not get in Big Brother USA. And very rarely you get it in Canada. But it's nice to have that kind of voice of authority. And everybody obviously knows that Erin is the top of the pyramid. And to have her come on anytime is serious business. Yes, if you're new to the show or you're not really sure who Aaron Brock is, I mean, the last time we heard her on the show, not this season, would have been BB Can 4 when she informed Ramsey that his dad was not in the greatest situation. But normally, she does not get over the loudspeaker. So if she does, yes, like you said, very serious indeed. I did also want to bring up the fact that this was April Fool's today. What did you think about that? Like the final episode being on April Fool's? Before watching the episode, did you think they'd put any April Fools into it or they would take it seriously? No, I didn't think that they would try to swerve the audience or pull a fast one on us. I figured that the episode would be as serious and as somber as it needed to be and obviously was. I think it's a very fitting day for this season to meet its untimely conclusion on. I think everyone's going to remember Big Brother Canada 8 for several reasons for the years to come but the cherry on top was having it finish on this most foolish of all the days now we saw that production zoom in on the different faces and get the reactions just in a typical big brother kind of style of the news that they had just been hit with and it seemed like brooke had been hit with it really hard now we have to imagine brooke is an absolute super fan she said it in the bio admittedly she's been watching the feeds left right and center she actually did an episode with Taryn Armstrong back in Big Brother 20, as I saw on Reddit. So you could tell this has been her life dream. I want to talk about the sacrifices that house guests make to get on that show. I cut my vacation short and I flew across the world for one day just to make sure that I was at that audition. I flew from Australia to Vancouver, Vancouver to Toronto, spent a day and a half in Toronto, flew right back to Australia. An hour after I landed, I was already back at work. I kept my beard even though I wanted to shave the entire time because I knew that this is the look they wanted. And if I wanted to make it on the show, this is what I'd have to do. Yeah, you said it so well. It just seems like on TV that they show up and then you're there. But casting itself is a six-month process in which you're going through the ringer and preparing yourself mentally and getting into this state of excitement and frenzy. And Brooke and certainly Sheldon, it is these people's lifelong dream. For me, it was a lifelong dream. It was an impossibility for me up until Big Brother Canada season one. I had to sit and watch 14 American seasons before I even had the opportunity. And I did everything I possibly could to get in there. I had just gotten a really good new job. I immediately left it for Big Brother, I would have dropped the world for this show. And I know the people in there have done or would have done the same. And then once you go in, most people only get the one shot. These guys didn't even get a full shot. And this may be their only shot. My heart breaks for them. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to just have it ripped from you like that. But I want to communicate to that entire cast that they are still just as Aaron said in the episode, they are 100% part of the Big Brother Canada family. Their season will live in infamy. They will be infamous because of it, but they are still part of the group and just as close as they all got from their experience. Mark, you know how close you are from the people in your season and then the community at large as it continues to grow. Now there's 125 of us who exist in this small little bubble. Each of us sacrificed different things at different times to be a part of it, but we are all a part of it. And I think that is special. And if they keep that in mind as they process the show 
and the experience over the coming months that they have a lot of other people who they can rely upon to help them through it because the cycle is the same every year. But with the asterisks this year, there's not a winner. There's not a resolution. They don't get to go to jury house and talk through their feelings and their disagreements and their unsatisfaction with the way they got voted out or what they could have done in the game differently because the game just stopped. It wasn't a traditional season by any stretch of the imagination. I do want to move on to Sheldon, like you just talked about. Sheldon was consoling Brooke, as was the rest of the house, of course. This was an interesting episode to see Sheldon. And the reason why I think so is we got to see probably the rawest emotion from Sheldon like we have all season. Sheldon has been put through the ringer. He's been put through difficult situations like nominating somebody, which is actually very difficult to do. He's had to do that twice within the span of two weeks. He almost went home and had his boy Kyle help him out. He's played a lot of mental and emotional game. And through it all, he's been very iRobot, Stone Cold Sheldon, as we like to call him. But this is the most emotion we saw from him. And it was one of those things where we saw production putting an emphasis on the Brooke and Sheldon showmance that we almost never got. The fact that they were always cuddled up next to each other and they were just comforting each other. I loved this episode for a few reasons. One We don't get episodes like this in Big Brother North America. This was a very unique episode, but the overall tone of the episode was much more reminiscent of a regular weekly episode in an international version of Big Brother because our episodes over here seem to be so focused on the powers and the ceremonies and the competitions that you don't get a lot of the social element of the game as much as some viewers like myself might like. You know, I think it was clear who production kind of valued in terms of character because it was the way in which they left the house tonight, and that ended with Brooke and Sheldon. I see them less as a showmance from a Big Brother perspective and more of a partnership with some potential infatuation undertones, kind of like John and Anna from season two. John and Anna were not a showmance. They were a strategic partnership. Obviously, they became a couple afterwards, but it wasn't within the actual game. I think Brooke and Sheldon may have evolved into something like that. Clearly, production viewed them as the best two players of the 25 days that they were in there. They were the last two to leave. And yeah, they wanted them to have their special moment. And that special moment... To the viewers, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, they really wanted them to kiss. They really wanted it to be, you know, this romantic end. And I understand that, too. That's just kind of the Disney ending that people like. But maybe from Brooke and Sheldon's perspective, that was the moment that they were looking for. Just them embracing at the top of the stairs, ready to go back out into this uncertain and chaotic world. As a viewer, some people maybe wanted something different, but I think that is the crescendo of the season, and that's ultimately the takeaway, is that in times of turmoil and uncertainty and chaos and and confusion, that people will ultimately be there for other people, and as Jeff Goldblum so eloquently said in Jurassic Park, life will uh, find a way. And we're going to find a way out here, just like they would have found a way to make it work in there. It was a very beautiful ending. I like how the house guests got to walk out one by one by one by one. Carol goes first because it looked like Carol was going home. And then like the different packages of the season, sort of the evictors going home next, and Hira on his own, and then Angie. And there was that special moment at the top of the stairs where you saw... One of the more vulnerable moments of Sheldon and a true vulnerable moment from Brooke where they just full on embraced and just told each other their true feelings about each other, about how much they'd have their each other's back outside of the house. 
And yeah, to some, and including myself, I really thought they should have kissed. However, yeah, like this was a nice fairy tale end and a beautiful wrap up to the season. What I liked even more so was their choice of music. And they chose to use When the Party's Over by Billie Eilish, which had like a very soft and chilling undertone a little bit. I also like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Peter, Big Brother doesn't use popular music inside of their episodes because it would cost a lot of money with royalties. However, the premiere episode and the finale episode, it seems like every finale episode, they'll choose one song to really highlight the season. The exception with that is, I remember in season four, they had Joel dancing to Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe in the HOH room. Or like we saw in season two with John and Allison, their secret mission, and the entire house drinking to Katy Perry's Hot and Cold. What was your thoughts on the closing out song and just sort of how the show packaged up? Yeah, obviously licensed music is expensive. (laughs) And so they only busted out when appropriate, but I think it was nice. I wasn't familiar with the song myself, but I thought it was a nice song. Somber, but oddly helpful. I think, like you said, Big Brother season, beyond just being a game show with a prize at the end, or whether you look at it as a social experiment with people from all different walks of life at all different stages of their life living together in disharmony for several weeks at a time, plucked out of the clear blue sky. Big Brother still reflects the world in which it's being played. And I think watching everybody leave and the positivity that they let everything out, all the alliances were revealed, all of the secrets were exposed, and they all had a laugh about it. And I thought that was so great. That was such a good moment of everyone to just brush it off their shoulders, say, I can't wait to see you in the real world. We're going to get through this together. And I wish that they would hold on to that feeling because I always say Big Brother makes you feel like you can conquer the world. It's got this special quality to it that you can't quite put your finger on when you're in there. But when you're out of there, you can definitely look back and recall what it was and it dissipates over time and it it leaves you and you start to forget the true magic that can happen when you're in there. And so I hope for right now, because I know they're all unsatisfied with the abrupt ending and I know that they're all still in game mode. You can't shut that off. You can't shut the game off for like a year. It's like that's something that the fans won't get and people who might laugh at someone being super emotional on the show because it's not that important to them. But think of the most important thing in your life and think of if it was just ripped away from you after nothing, after years and years of trying to get there, it'd be hard. And so it's nice to see some positivity in the Big Brother house to wrap it up. And I hope that they find that positivity in the real world as well, because there's no sense in bickering and going back and forth with one another over a game that will never be resolved. You're not going to argue yourself into a win in the real world. So just get along to get along for a while and and realize that there are bigger problems out there than who might or might not have won or what they said or didn't say and how they said it on some live feed from day six. Indeed, this will be the season of the unknowns. It's funny that you brought up the uh, Chinese food and the party they had where they got to air out all their dirty laundry. That is what I wanted to touch upon. And you brought that out so poignantly that it was almost a sigh of relief for a lot of people that they were able to air out their alliances and just speak freely about the game, which I found personally, and maybe you found this as well, when you go to the jury house, one of the biggest reliefs is like, okay, no more lying. I can be honest. I can just tell everybody what I did and what I was truly thinking and get it over with. Because every lie that you add to your resume in the Big Brother house is just like a 
ton of bricks on your back. And by the end of it, you feel sick. Yeah, it is a lot. It just weighs on you. Like you said, yeah, like the bricks. I can recall I went to host a competition in season two, and it was my first time properly back in the house during a game. And I can remember I went in through the diary room, and as soon as I got into the house, of course, the house is really hot. It's warm because of all the lights. But the expression you could cut the tension with a knife could not even apply there because it was so beyond that. Walking out into the backyard, seeing them all ready to compete, that look in their eye. And I mean, I know that all of these guys still had that look. They still have that feeling. I'm sure that unnerving energy is still coursing through their body. And how to get rid of that is going to be really hard for them. But at least they had a little bit of opportunity to see each other as people and not just players before they went back into the real world. Yes, indeed. A very important episode to wrap it all up in that regard. This is a first with many seasons. And simply because it's a much shortened season, we can say that this is the first season where six out of 16 house guests can say they never touch the block. Right. This is yeah. a season where three out of the 16 house guests never got to vote. Wow. Michael, Brooke, and Nico never got to put an eviction vote. This is the first season where we did not have a female HOH. Okay. Wow. <laughs> a first season where we had a veto winner who had a 100% solo success rate. What do you think about Hira? Wow. <laughs> Uh, man, Hero's great. He was uh, fun to watch on the show, for sure. I think he definitely had a win trajectory had he continued at his current pace. He seemed like he was learning the game. Just seems like an all-around great guy. I'm happy that he can see the experience as overall a positive. I think he was alone in the storage room. He's like, this was my dream, but there's things going on bigger than this. He can definitely hold his head high. He's got nothing to be ashamed about. A lot of people come out of that house with a lot of demons and he's not going to be one of those people. So I'm excited to uh, meet him someday and have a chat about what he thought when he was going through that bonkers experience in there. A wife and a kid to go back home to. We're glad for him. We also got to see a very interesting scenario, and that was they opened up the nomination room to everyone, which is almost like the holy grail of Big Brother. Peter, you've won a veto before. You have had the opportunity to go into that nomination room, as have I when I won my HOH. Not everybody got the opportunity to do that, though. What do you think about Big Brother opening it up and allowing all the house guests to see the secret room, the holy grail, the hallowed room, if you will? It's good. It's the right call. Any secret room, if there was going to be one or any enclosed space that was going to reveal itself, I think definitely should have been revealed. And it was good for them to come all in and see their busts, uh, which was a nice moment of everyone seeing this a reflection of their past selves as it was immortalized before they were going into the house and now it stares lifelessly back at them as they're about to leave unceremoniously so i think it's so strange big brother didn't let the house guests keep their butts i was like what they should have all uh, walked out with their head like that would have been so great serve your head on a silver platter right right exactly <laughs> but maybe they'll repurpose them for something else later they always say that they repurpose everything maybe in that big warehouse you want to know something i never got my veto chip everybody else got their veto chip they didn't give me mine they told me to email them i emailed them i've reached out i've messaged them on twitter goose egg 
nothing, man. Oh, that's disappointing. We don't get a lot. If people are like, oh, they must get so much stuff from the house after the show, it's like it's really few and far between of what you get. There are so many things that you would want to have, and then you don't basically get any of them. The Big Brother bag that you bring on stage, I would never sell that for any amount of money. Like, that is a treasure for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm bummed that we got our Big Brother Canada key. I'm literally looking at it right now on top of my desk. And they don't do, like, proper house guest keys for Big Brother Canada house guests anymore. I think because they changed the way they do the nomination ceremony. But I think even still, you should get a physical key to the house. I wish that they would have those, because I think that if there was only 125 of those keys out there in the world for house guests, I think that would be such a cool thing. Here's the next question for you, because we saw during the episode, one of the burning questions that you, I, and a bunch of fans had was, what happens to the money? What happens to the $120,000 prize? The answer was, they've decided to donate it to COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund. I've got mixed feelings about this, Peter. One side of me was thinking right away, like, hang on a second. This is prize money. This is not charity money. I understand that there's COVID-19. I understand that really we should be focusing on people's health, people's safety. But I don't know, is it Big Brother's discretion to just automatically decide we're going to give the money, prize player money to COVID-19? Or does it belong to the players in some sort of capacity? And a part of me was really struggling with this because I'm like, you know what? This is the player's money. We don't know which player, but it is a player's money to ultimately decide what they want to do with it. It's a tough call. You know, ultimately, our nation's at risk here, and that's what makes sense. But, like, the true justice for the game kind of guy that I am would have liked to have seen the money being repurposed in a game sort of fashion. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, at first blush, I kind of went, huh? When that reveal was made, in my fantasy evil Peter booking, I thought that as soon as Carol left first and they were 11 of them left, then they were going to come on and say, okay, we're splitting the 120 between the 11 of you because she wanted to leave anyway. But that would be a little too cruel a way to end. Peter, you quoted American Psycho when you left. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it was me doing the booking uh, for the show, maybe that's how I would have ended it. But that could have been a little too cruel. But they have one of two options, basically. You chop it up, everybody gets a chunk of the change, the 12 of them that remain, or you repurpose the money elsewhere. And since COVID-19 really was the winner of the season in a roundabout way, it is responsible for the most amount of evictions for Big Brother Canada 8, then the money should be put towards the people who are on the front lines, our brave men and women who are in the hospitals, in the ERs, trying to contain this thing. And to extension to that, the politicians who are forcing the security measures and telling us to stay home and stay safe. And these people are doing a fantastic job at doing their best to contain the situation. And so Big Brother Canada giving the prize money of the season to COVID-19 first responders. I think that's pretty good overall. So we're just going to wrap things up here, and we see that all the players get to leave one by one by one. But first, they get a message from their families. And I find that that's a really good way to wrap up the episode. I find that it was almost like a bit of closure. Yeah, it's nice to have that moment of just reassurance from the outside world that they're still there, they're safe, they're healthy, 
They're looking forward to having the house guests return, and I'm sure that'll be very exciting for them. And they get to share stories, and the house guests will feel like a celebrity in their own home with their own families and their own friends for a while, which is always great. That's that's always fun for someone to come out of that experience. So yeah, I'm sure it was nice. I'm sure the house guests appreciated seeing their loved ones, and maybe the best moment of the show was Chris's mom saying, hey, you may recall me from the Wendy's window. (laughs) That was great. Chris still trying to defend it was amazing. Yeah, I'm sure they all loved just hearing the voice of something familiar, even though the house becomes so familiar and becomes everything that you know while you're in there. For a lot of people I know, hearing those outside voices is going to be super, super, super important. So that was a nice touch that Big Brother did for them. Big Brother is a benevolent god when it chooses to be, you know? Yes, and a very fair and just God when it chooses to uh, strike down with the wrath of 10,000 sons. I think the production did a really good job at making everyone's personality shine in one way or another in little cute moments. So we got to see Sheldon's raw vulnerability. We got to see Hira talk about how stressful this game is, even though he was just winning veto after veto after veto, right? (laughs) We got to see Min Lee and Angie having a hug together, a moment of embrace where it seemed like during the game they weren't always on the same page, right? They're not running on the same side of the tracks. But we got to see them embrace and realize that the game is beneath them And the friendship is real. Big Brother is full of those beautiful moments that you don't usually get to see. And that's what the entirety of this episode was, really. And a lot of people, when they're watching the show, they'll put their blinders on. And they'll only focus on the good things that are happening to the character that they like or the bad things that are happening to the character that they like. And people get so entangled in the back and forth and the way that the game is unfolding. You kind of forget that these are still just people and production are just people too. And I think they do a really good job overall at finding those nice moments and ultimately portraying people as good. I know that at the beginning of the season, it was who's going to rise as a hero, who's going to rise as a villain. And at the end, Min thought that she was the villain and Hira thought he was the hero. And I think those are probably pretty accurate labels that you can follow in them. But at their core, they're both good people. Big Brother Canada is always fair in showing the house guests on their full spectrum. Everyone has their down moments. Everyone has their up moments. But in the end, the show will leave you with something that is ultimately positive, I think, for everybody. Because it's a privilege to be in that house and to participate in that experience. But it's also a privilege for production to get access to your entire life. So as a thank you, I mean, it's the least that they can do is show people, at least in a a positive enough light as possible, on their way out the door from this life-changing experience that they've just went through. So people don't give production, especially the editors, sometimes the credit that they deserve because Big Brother Canada is a 24-7 job and it's really difficult to put together. So to have this nice episode as a round out to this crazy season is at least something that they can look back on positively and see them all at their best moments. And another thing I'd really like to add is that I felt production did really well when they showed the different shots of the empty rooms in complete disarray at the end of the episode. So you see towels hanging precariously over the shower door, the dishwasher stuffed with dirty dishes, beds are unmade. And it provides us as the viewer a very 
chilling feel. I know it did for me. It's almost as if to say the game never really ended. It was forced to stop midway and the house guests literally had to flee the house with no true game resolution. Is there anything you'd like to wrap up with the episode? Maybe something we missed or something that sort of stuck out to you as a very production notable moment? Well, I loved the moment that Sheldon said that he would have been in that house for a thousand days. It almost brought me to tears because that's exactly how I felt about it when I was in there. I didn't want to leave. Not just I didn't want to lose. That's one thing. I didn't want to lose. But I also didn't want to leave. That being in that house, living in that environment, in that magical world that becomes the entirety of your universe was so special to me and is so special to me that I felt exactly the same way that Sheldon does. And I've had a conversation with him since, and I feel like truly he views it in much the same, if not the exact same way I do. So I really felt all of his moments in the show because I'm sure... I would have reacted in a very similar way. And not everybody is like that. Some people will just go in and it's a show, it's a competition. I'm in, I'm out, bada bing, bada boom. But there are that very small fraction of us who see it as something truly special and unique and put it on a pedestal. And I believe him when he says he could have been in there for a thousand days because I know for myself I could walk in there on day one and walk out on day 1,000 and still be unsatisfied with the amount of days that I was in there. I think you once told me this, Peter, and I think it was at the wrap-up party in Ontario that Big Brother, you believe to be the most authentic version of yourself while you're in there. Mm -hmm. I do. I truly think that when you go in the house, because everything in there is just raw, one-on-one human interaction. And because you have unlimited freedom in your choices and your actions, you inevitably become the most real version of you. Good, bad, or indifferent, full end of the spectrum. No judgment from me in terms of just your personal conduct. You are free to just let go in there. And I think in a weird way, people are experiencing that in the real world right now. People are sequestered in their own homes and they don't have to worry about getting to the office and the stresses of regular life, for the most part, are being removed. And people are just kind of left with themselves wondering what to do. And you have a lot of time of introspection and the house is basically all introspection. And so you just get these human to human moments. And that's why I loved it so much. I don't know how to be me in the real world, but I know how to be me in Big Brother. I can understand it because I've been through the show. I've been through the ringer. I've played the game. Those listening right now might be scratching their heads a little bit, but I promise (laughs) you this, you apply and you apply again, and you make it on to BB36, or whatever it is, (laughs) you will understand exactly what Peter's talking about. You will come to reference this episode, and hopefully you will not end up like me or Peter and end up in fifth place. Mm, There you go. Try to do better. Indeed. Think better, act better, and play better. Well, this wraps up the episode, and a big thanks to you, Peter, for coming on the episode and sharing your insight. If you want to get in touch with Peter, you can always message him on Instagram. His handle is also Peter Brown. If you have any questions or comments, my social media is The Mark D Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Coming up on the next episode, we'll chat with Maddie of BBCan6, another player who left in fifth place. And we're going to chat tips, tricks, and strategies on making it onto Big Brother. I should say neither of us are casting agents, but we can always provide our insight and hopefully it'll help you make the best audition video 
you can possibly make. Thanks again for listening. My name is Mark D, and we'll see you next week.